0: This is
1: Maureen Milliken.
0: And this is Rebecca Milliken. And this is Crime and Stuff. The
1: podcast. You would do if you had nothing better to do. Before we get going, I want to thank our longtime listener, Rhonda Aronde. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who made a generous donation that has allowed us to buy... um, some audio equipment, an audio interface. We're not using it tonight because I just got it and I haven't had time to make sure I'm using it right. But it's going to help us not only make our sound better, but also when we have uh, more than two people and some other things. So thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Rhonda.
0: And Rhonda's one of my oldest friends. I've known her since third grade.
1: Not one of your oldest friends, but one of the the friends you've had for the longest amount of time. No, she may yes. be old. Like, is she like 90 or? No, she's, we we 90. went to grade school together and high school. She made a nice donation a couple of years ago, too. Very supportive of us and would like to help us make yes, sound better. <laughs> she's,
0: yes, because she's been in the radio business. Yeah, so she, she uh, knows. The only thing it can't help us with Rhonda is our voices. Which I'm are sorry. always going to sound
1: like this. Yeah. And but, you know. And speaking of sound, if you've been listening, you know that we record at home. We're kind of loosey-goosey about setting, and it, it's weirdly hot tonight Ugh. here in central Maine. It's muggy, yes. And so I have my windows open, and I thought we were going to be delayed. Actually, we were a little delayed because the little restaurant one of the only ones in town it's um, kind of a across the way about a block away from my house was not only having live music but apparently a loon calling <laughs> contest and I'm not making that up or being that, glib about the music so, it's so Maine loons are beautiful beautiful birds and I'm lucky enough to live between two lakes in central Maine and until the climate crisis takes hold a little more I nightly hear loons calling and they're beautiful but part of living somewhere like this is loon calling contests do crop up (laughs) and when people try to sound like loons it's not pleasant and i was afraid it would have an impact especially people somewhere where they're drinking um i was afraid it would have an impact on our recording tonight but i think they're all done so hopefully yes very good and do so, you have an update? Do have a... I don't. Oh. That, unless
0: I was supposed to, but I um, can't think I of think anything. I think I was
1: supposed to, and you'd think that since we took a few weeks off, we'd have our all our ducks in a row. No, I I, change, I, I change. just haven't had
0: time. Well, I've changed jobs again, so... Yeah,
1: you changed jobs, and I, I quit my job. <laughs> but I do have work. It's freelance work, and I'm still... I, I won't go into a whole thing, but it w- it was just the wrong week. A, a freelance job I've had for almost five years, where the money isn't great, but it's needed, went through a very annoying, uh, it was the wrong week for this, a very annoying change, software-ish, email-ish kind of thing. It sounds simple enough, but the workflow for me and the other woman who does editing for them is so Byzantine that it completely, threw our jobs into chaos and no one at the company, and I can say this with confidence, I'm sure none of them listen to this podcast, and if they do, they can eat my grass because I don't get paid enough to care, but it threw things into such chaos that Linda, the other editor, and I had to figure out ourselves how we were going to do things, and it ended up completely upending my schedule in my new freelance world hopefully though things are back on track and i can um pursue the life without shackles of the man and i did get a little stuff done on my book since i don't have to use the phone a lot now i'm i've gone to the library in augusta to write some days because even though i live in a very nice little town it's incredibly noisy Hmm. Um, between the renovation project next door, the who owns the wooden boat place down behind my property, who uh, there's just constant noise coming from there. Story for another day, yeah. and the deep attention to lawn care that many <laughs> of the people. Who live ar- around me, not my next door neighbors who are wonderful people, and I'm sure they don't listen to this either, though. But the people across the street who are rarely there, but, but desperately want to have a even, nice lawn. I know, I
0: was going to say, even though they're not there very often, they want their y- yes. yard to look perfect at all times. hmm Yes. Like, they spend a lot of money on, it seems. Yes, they on... have a
1: five-man crew who comes weekly to blow <laughs> and mow it. and make their... That. It's basically an empty lot behind your house that's weird. across from the front of my house. It used to be woods, but they cut down a lot of the trees, so now it's like this grove with lawns. It is weird. But the rich are very different from us, aren't I they? I guess. So, I guess, since we don't have updates... Ooh. I can launch right into my story.
0: I can't and wait. This may I do know up what being, you're doing. I'm very I excited. I know you
1: don't. And this this could be our shortest episode since 2016, and when, when we first vowed to do hour-long episodes mm-hmm. and then stopped okay. doing it. I came across this story by accident. I was looking for something else and stumbled on it. And given how interesting it is, I'm kind of stunned by the lack of information about it, including in the victim's hometown paper in Massachusetts, and in Florida, where she was murdered. It's an interesting murder, and it's just very strange. There's so little about it. But I did glean enough to make it an interesting story. Oh, good. Most of my information is from WINK, a Fort Myers, Florida TV station. Fox 4 another Florida TV station and Southwest Florida Crime Stoppers which is a nonprofit group that produces videos and they're almost like news videos except for there's a little bit of lack of information but I'll give to them they do they do a nice job. If I got anything from any other source I'll say so but those are the main places. There was supposedly a true crime documentary show episode made about it. It, somebody on one of the tv stations mentioned and this was like four uh, video from four years ago but they didn't say what true crime show so my guess is it was a different network and um. i cannot find no amount of googling or searching yeah. on youtube or or all the normal true crime shows i cannot find it if i do find it i'll i'll link to it <laughs> i'll link to it on our website mm. um no Sunday. no no i do plan to to get our website up to date very soon now that I'm not working for the man anymore. In any case, why don't I just get into the story? Okay. Okay. In June 2013, an odd thing happened in a Margate, Florida house where a woman who was disabled was renting an upstairs room to a man that she had just met. The woman's friends thought there was something kind of hinky about the guy, whose name was Alex DeBell, and asked him for some ID. No problem, he said. It's upstairs. I'll go up and get it. But when he went upstairs... Instead of getting his ID, he jumped out the window and ran away, uh-huh. leaving all his belongings behind well, him. Well, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. All I could picture was, like, episodes of Reno 911 <laughs> yeah, I with the guy running away. A month earlier, in early May 2013, across Florida on the West Coast... Carol Brotherton had a strange encounter as well. This was with a man named Simon Storm, who was renting a room from her neighbor, Laura Howard. Simon came over to Carol's house with Laura's TV and asked Carol if she wanted to buy it. Laura and Carol had, a while back, talked about the fact that Laura wanted to get a new TV, and Carol had said at the time she'd buy Laura's old TV, but still, there was something weird about the encounter with Simon. It just seemed off. Quote, he didn't ask me if I was still interested in the TV, Carol said later, he just asked me if I wanted to buy it. And she did. She bought it for $400. After they completed the sale, Simon told Carol not to bother calling Laura to thank her because she wasn't feeling well, Mm -hmm. was sick in bed, and wouldn't be able to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quote, I thought that was odd because Laura and I had an agreement that if anything happened, we'd look out for each other, Carol said. The last Carol had seen Laura had been the day before when they got swimming and everything had seemed fine. Despite the fact that Simon said not to call Laura, Carol did try calling her, but didn't get an answer. In fact, she tried for a few days and Laura still didn't answer her phone. Meanwhile, Laura's adult son, Greg, was on his way down from their native Massachusetts to visit his mother. She'd moved to Fort Myers after she and her husband, Greg Sr., had had a messy divorce a few years before. And things have felt off to Greg Jr., too, recently. Laura had been very excited about Greg's visit. In fact, almost desperate in the days leading up to it, or in the weeks leading up to it. Quote, I could sense her longing for me to be there, he told Fox 4 TV in 2016. I said, Mom, two weeks, I'll be there, don't worry. Yet, a few days before his visit, Laura stopped answering her phone, though she did continue to communicate with him by text. As I said, she'd been very excited about Greg coming, yet a text from her right before he left said, Don't come down, because I won't be here. Sally Berger, Laura's friend, said, Laura would never send Greg a message like that. Sally Berger's a different friend, the other one was Carol. Laura's okay. daughter, Cassie Medore, who also lives in Massachusetts and is Laura's oldest child, told Fox 4 that Laura was only texting Greg, not anyone else, and quote, there were some, like, verbiage being used in some language, and just, it just wasn't her. Mm. So Greg went to Florida anyway. When he got to Fort Myers, Laura didn't pick him up at the airport as planned. For Laura to go off and do her own thing wasn't that odd, Greg knew, but for her to do it when he was coming down to visit was totally out of character. Yeah. When he got to her house, after her not picking him up at the airport, he went to her house that Saturday morning, April 27, 2013. All the doors were locked and the blinds were down. Even the back door that he knew how to open when it was locked was completely shut, he said. So he went to her friend Sally Berger's house and asked if Sally knew where she was. Sally's face went kind of pale and dropped, Greg said. In fact, he said, Sally Berger's face went so pale it looked as though she'd seen a ghost. Ooh. Laura's friends went to the house and saw the same thing Greg had. All the curtains were drawn, Sally said. You could not see inside the house. Not only that, there was condensation on the windows. They were dripping, in fact. Greg and Laura's friends called Cassie, her oldest child, and gave Cassie Simon the boyfriend's number. Or the lodger, whatever way you want to look at it. She started calling both Laura and Simon just about every half hour, but neither answered, and by Monday, both phones had been turned off. Sally also called Laura's number at some point, leaving a message. Laura, if you don't call me by six o'clock tonight, I'm calling the police to report you as a missing person. I'm not sure if Sally did that, but Cassie also called the police after fruitlessly trying to raise her mother on the phone for several days and told them something was wrong. She knew in her gut something was wrong. She told the police to go to the house and force entry and told them she was coming down on the next plane. And if they weren't going to force entry to the house, then she'd go. Even Mm -hmm. if they were going to arrest her, she was going to break into that house. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: On Friday, May 3rd, 2013, Cassie arrived in Florida and she and the police, apparently accompanied by Laura's friends too, even though there aren't many stories about this, the information is different in all of them. Mm -hmm. But they all went to the house there was very cold air coming out of the doggy door, which was unlike Laura, who didn't blast the A.C. The police broke in, the house was freezing, the A.C. on full blast, and someone had put wet towels to block the door cracks. Hmm. They found Laura dead in the bathtub in a state of extreme decomposition. Greg said when he pulled up to the house that day, his sister was outside sobbing. Quote, that's when I knew what had happened, he said. It's hard to nail down specifics of Laura Howard's life and of her death. Even her obituary didn't have much about where she'd worked and other stuff about her life. It does say that she followed in the footsteps of her mother, Lorraine Anderson, showing care and compassion to all those in need. Laura was a dedicated pianist, gardener, and active community volunteer. She enjoyed nothing more than hosting family gatherings. She will be remembered for her beautiful smile, laughter, and free spirit. And my guess is... This is just total speculation. She may have been a homemaker. I think her husband owned some kind of computer software company. Ooh, from yeah. what little I can find out about them. You'd think everybody's life would be an open book these days. But I know. It's not. She was born in Norwell, Massachusetts and was a 1979 graduate, the same year I graduated from high school, Ooh. of Norwell High School. Back then, she was known as Lori Lee My Lot, which was how she was listed in the yearbook. Where other kids had a quick quote and what extracurriculars they'd, been t- they'd taken part in, Lori Lee had none of that. All she had was a lyric from Carole King's Beautiful. Quote, I have often asked myself the reason for all the sadness in the world where tears are just a lullaby. If there's any answer, maybe not. Oh, but we can try unquote. And from what little I can glean, she got married shortly after high school and her daughter Cassie was born just a couple years later. Fun fact, also on the facing page of the yearbook, which the Norwell Public Library has on their website, so I was able to find. Ooh. Thank you, Norwell Public Library, is Rob Mola, who was in my college class at Holy Cross. Oh, class of 1983. I barely knew him, but there you go. Small world. That's <laughs> weird and he's now apparently the director of HR for the Universalist Unitarian Association. Interesting. So um yeah it is interesting. It's in some ways I mean where I went to college in Worcester, Mass, there were a lot of kids from the Boston area. Yeah. Catholic kids particularly. But it's still weird when you're doing something like this to... Yeah, and somebody, you know, (laughs) perhaps... Because I was looking through the yearbook to see if the guy she married was in there, which he wasn't. But then I'm like, oh my God, there's Mola. And his picture looks very much like his picture in our college yearbook. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, Laura lived in eastern Massachusetts most of her life, but her mother and other family members also lived in western Maine. Before she moved to Fort Myers, she'd apparently lived in Maine for a while, possibly with her mother in Gilead or other family in Standish. Gilead's in western Maine on the um, New Hampshire border. Standish is in the Sebago Lake area. Her daughter had referred to the divorce as messy. Her ex-husband was not listed in her obit, which isn't totally abnormal. I have done many, many obits in my newspaper career, was obit editor on and off for the New Hampshire Union Leader, and some people list their ex as the father of their children, or just list their ex, and some people don't. But I'll also say the lack of information on Laura Howard Her past, and on this case, is mind-boggling here in 2021. Apparently, no Maine or Massachusetts newspapers picked up her murder. Mm, And even though she had lived in Massachusetts, apparently her entire life, except for maybe a short stint in Maine before moving to Fort Myers, she was 53 or 52 when she was killed. And all there was in the Fort Myers newspaper was two paragraphs a couple of days after her body was found saying her body had been ID'd. And that was it. so weird. Well, there are a lot of murders in Florida. Yeah. And in the Fort Myers area, most of them apparently in 2013 at least seem to be, if the Fort Myers website is any indication, black men. I'm not minimizing that, but it's like, it's all black men. You wonder how hard they're trying to solve those. But it just seems that the nature of the case would prompt more coverage. Yeah. All I could find was a Crime Stoppers 2015 interview with a cop who is not identified. Her family did an interview in 2016 for Fox 4 TV, and a story just this past May on WINK from Fort Myers. And there hasn't really been much else. Hmm. In the 2016 interview with Fox 4, her daughter Cassie Medore says, "My mom was a character." She was a school volunteer, the CCD teacher, the adventure seeker. She did arts and crafts, and she was just a generous and loving person. In another story, Cassie did describe a messy divorce, and as I said, Laura apparently lived in Maine for a while after that. Quote, she was living in Maine and sick of the winters, Cassie said. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can get see that. And so she thought Florida sounded like a great spot to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, the Fox 4 reporter says... But palm trees and warm weather couldn't melt the chill of isolation Uh, she felt from uh, her family. Her son Greg said that sometimes she felt lonely, really lonely. uh, Her friend Sally Berger told Fox 4 in 2016 she would sometimes drink a little too much. uh, I would get nervous for her. Then Sally says, Laura had such a good heart. She was lonely and wanted a man around the house to feel safe, but she also felt bad for people and just wanted to help them out. Hmm. And Greg said, Greg does admit she had an open door for people. Her friend, Carol Brotherton, said that she was just a very, very kind person, and that had as much to do with her behavior as loneliness may have. She said Laura was very kind. She'd do anything for anyone. When she first moved to the neighborhood, she invited the entire neighborhood to her house for a party. Quote, she cooked up all this food, and it was all homemade. That was just the kind of person she was. Hmm. Her friend Sally Berger told Fox 4 that Laura had taken in two lodgers in her spare bedroom over the few years that she'd lived in the neighborhood. Simon Storm was the second. Yes, more on that. Yes, sounds, on that, f- yes, yes, okay. yes. Simon, quote unquote, told Laura <laughs> he'd, he'd snuck over the border from Canada and hitchhiked mm. to Florida in order to track down his ex-wife who'd taken off with his kids. He, hmm. he looked like he was like maybe in his late 40s, early 50s kind of guy. Dumpy guy, mustache, balding, nothing to write home about. That's my assessment of <laughs> the photos. The Fox 4 reporter asked Sally Berger if Simon's story was believable. Hmm. It sort of was, Sally said. The way he said it, it was believable. His name wasn't believable, Sally. <laughs> well, we believed okay. it anyway. And felt sorry for him. Oh, poor Simon, you know. Friend Carol Brotherton, however, told W-I-N-K, "I said, Laura, do you think this is a good idea? What do you know about this man? Laura told Carol that Simon was doing odd jobs around the house in exchange for the room. Sally Berger said he was more than just a lodger. Mm-hmm. It was a friendship that had benefits, Sally mm-hmm. told Fox 4. She didn't want a relationship, but Simon kept pushing and pushing for more. God. Laura was beautiful, kind, and generous. Laura had actually met Simon through Sally. Quote, he was working for a landscaper that did my yard, Sally said. We believed him and felt sorry for him. Laura ended up taking him in. Cassie Medora, Laura's daughter, didn't even know Simon existed. Quote, I didn't know this man was in her life at all she said and to me that shows that laura had reservations about him oh yeah because who doesn't tell her well what mom like my age who has a daughter in her in her um 30s does not tell her daughter that she's got a beau living in the house exactly and son greg did know about him but not much What he did know was that Laura didn't want Simon around during Greg's planned week-long visit. Mm. Quote, She wanted the house for me and her. She didn't need him around, Greg said. Mm. When police found Laura's body, she'd been in the water for days. Mm. Again, even with the stories about it, the timeline isn't clear... But it, was, it seems like it was about a week. Somebody says four or five days, but then given the, the timeline, it seems like it would have been a week or more. In any case, they had to idea with dental records. As I said earlier, the A.C. was turned down as low as it could go, and wet towels were shoved under door cracks, apparently in an attempt to keep any odor of decomposition from escaping. Ugh. Trish Root of Southwest Florida Crime Stoppers said, We can't tell if she was strangled. We can't tell if she was suffocated. We can't tell what happened to her. What everyone did know was that Simon Storm had probably killed her, and Mm. he was nowhere to be found. The same day Laura's body was found, her car was also found across Florida on the East Coast in Margate.
0: Mm.
1: A month after that in Margate, the same town Laura's car was found, was when that weird thing happened with that lodger, Alex DeBell, and the woman who was renting him a room. A cop in a 2015 video by South Florida Crime Stoppers who is not identified, and I wish they had identified him, it's it's done very well. It's like a news report, but they just don't identify anybody. But anyway, he said a friend of this woman got a weird feeling about Alex DeBell that something was just off about him. The brother, I'm not sure if it's the brother of the woman who was renting him the room or the brother of the friend, confronted him and asked to see some ID. As I mentioned at the beginning of the story, he said, sure, no problem, and he (laughs) had to go upstairs to get it. Then he went upstairs, jumped out the second floor window, and ran away. Uh The cops said he not only left all his belongings behind, but they also found Laura's driver's license Uh in the room. They later found a duffel bag with her marriage certificate and passport with his stuff. Wow! If you're thinking, and you have mentioned this, Becky, <laughs> that Simon Storm sounds like a fake name, and that Alex the- DeBell sounds like a fake name, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Ooh, I'm He's so also smart. gone by Simon Croft, Alex DeFray, Alex Frost, to name a few. Memo, ladies... If a guy's name sounds like it came out of a bad romance novel, check him out a little further.
0: Roar soap
1: opera. Yeah, or soap opera. Same difference. Simon slash Alex's real name was Robert Keane. Spelled, the most likely spelling is K-U-E-H-N. Although, despite the very few news stories about this, many of them spelled it wrong. This was the most common spelling I could find. K-U-E-H-N... But pronounced Keene. And who exactly is Robert Keene? Just like with Laura, there's not a lot of information available, though in that 2015 Crime Stoppers video, the police and the woman, Trisha Root, who's the reporter in the video, said he has an extensive criminal record. The one story that's findable on him is telling. It's from the february eleventh, nineteen eighty seven, South Florida Sun Sentinel. There are three men, I just want to say before I start the story, there are three men in this story. All of them have a first name Robert, (sighs) which can be confusing, so after I introduce them the first time, I'm going to go with their last names, okay? Robert Allen, 58, was sleeping in his home on November 1st, 1986, in Pompano Beach, is that how you pronounce it? Pompano Beach, Pompano Beach, Florida. That's where my boss lives, Mm. or former, now Mm. former. I wonder if he knows these guys. when he heard a racket outside, a boat banging against his dock on the intercoastal waterway. Alan went out to see what was wrong, and he saw a boat tied to the dock. He went over and called out to ask what was wrong, and a teenager on the boat yelled that nothing was wrong, he'd just run out of gas. Alan, though, knew a lot about boats and knew that type of boat ran on diesel, not gas. He went back into his house and called the Florida Marine Patrol. When Marine Patrol officer Robert Voji arrived a few minutes later, he found 17-year-old Robert Keane on the boat pretending to be asleep. Hmm. Alan, the homeowner, who hadn't gone on board, then heard what sounded like a fight. He went on board to find Keene and the Marine Patrol officer grappling, and Keane was armed with a fishing knife. He had oh. Voji, the officer, pinned to the floor, and blood was coming out of Voji's chest. Alan grabbed Keen's hand and banged it against the wall until he dropped the knife. Then he held him down as Voji struggled to his feet and got out his gun. Alan handcuffed Keane with Voji's cuffs and went and called the cops as Voji held Keen at gunpoint. Voji later told the Sun Sentinel he thought Keen was going to kill him and oh. that Alan saved his life, putting his own safety at risk. Alan said he just reacted without thinking.
0: Oh.
1: I did it because I don't like seeing someone get hurt, he said. Nice. Yes, he's kind of the opposite of Keen. (laughs) Keen, it turned out, had deserted the Navy in Illinois and stolen... Keen is a Florida native, but he had been in the Navy in Illinois. He had deserted and stolen the boat in Fort Lauderdale. The story said he was charged with first-degree attempted murder and felony theft and would be tried as an adult. But after that, things kind of, as far as information goes, fall apart. A story a month or so later in the Tampa newspaper said Allen was being honored as a hero by the state. And even though Keene's trial was supposed to have started right after the first story in February, it said the trial was going to start Monday or whatever, this story said he still hadn't been tried, and it said his name hadn't been released since he was not an adult. So... (laughs) I'm wondering if his lawyer was able to get him charged as a juvenile. Maybe he took a plea. Well, that could be if, if he was charged as a juvenile. Anything. I couldn't find anything else under any of the spellings of his name on newspapers.com. The WINK May 2021 story says court records show Keene served time in jail in Broward County on the charges, which means if he went to jail, it, he wouldn't have been charged with felonies. He would. It, because jail is for misdemeanors and sentences of less than one year, and it doesn't go into any details. A background oh. search, according to WINK, lists addresses all over Florida for Keene during the 1990s and early 2000s. After 2007, it says... There are not official records listed for him anywhere. The 2015 Crime Stoppers report says he was dishonorably discharged from the Navy, and they too cite his quote, extensive criminal history, though they don't give any details. And if he does have one, none of it made the papers that I can find on newspapers.com or on the internet. Though I will say his name is spelled wrong so often, who knows? It's spelled K H U E N. K-E-U-H-N, K-U-E-N, you know, quote, You just don't leave a woman dead and then jump out of a second-story building to avoid being caught if you've done nothing wrong, said Root, the woman from Crime Stoppers. (laughs) This man is capable of very violent acts. We have no idea how many other victims are out there. And when Simon Storm moved into... Laura's house. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. The cop in the 2015 Crime Stoppers report said, we conducted numerous interviews with Laura's friends, and each one of them said they got a hinky feeling about Simon, that he wasn't exactly who he said he was. None of those friends, though, in the 2016 or 2021 TV report said that, you know, though Carol did say she asked Laura if he, if, you know, she was sure about him, and it'd be kind of nice if they had. I'm not sure why they didn't, but... The cop said that Keen's MO, modus <laughs> operandi, modus operandi yes. is clear. He tries to prey on middle aged women, gain their confidence, and take what advantage he can get from them. Trish Root of Crime Stopper said When we're dealing with someone who is living off the grid, it's really difficult, especially when he's using an alias that other people aren't questioning. Laura's daughter, Cassie, said, it's classic, you know, they have this whole fake story. They avoid photos, they avoid large gatherings, and they, you know, kind of lurk in the background. I think Cassie's assessment is more accurate than the living off the grid, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, that you have no electricity or connection to society he obviously connects with people. He's just, you know, it's not off the grid. It's just off radar more. Radar, yeah. And he is resourceful. The cop in the 2015 Crime Stoppers report said that at one point, Keen was living in a self storage unit.
0: Mm.
1: quote the last thing we want is for another potential victim to be tricked or duped by this guy posing as an imposter although posing as an imposter is grammatically not correct i'll give exactly. the guy a. the cop also said keen is worried about going back to jail and has told his father that he will not go back to jail police say keen is the only man they're looking for as far as laura's murder goes and they wonder if he's also responsible for other murders. Yeah. They said they think he's still in Florida, although I'm like, buddy, you know, I'd get out of Florida if I were you. I don't know why they think he's still in Florida, but they do. In the 2015 Crime Stoppers report, Trish Root says, chances are he's found another unsuspecting victim living off their money and leaving them with no knowledge of his violent past. Duh. Trish Root says when he jumped out the window, that's the last we heard of him. There weren't tips on him. There were no sightings of him. Because he has the training, the skill set to go off the radar to move around unbeknownst, no one's heard from him. She described him as a chameleon with the ability (laughs) to easily change his name and appearance. And I have to tell you, the photos that went with these stories, he looks like, like guys his age who you see every day. Yeah. Like, there, there's nothing about him that you would, if you walked by him in the grocery store, you'd notice or remember. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight with their and
0: normal it- look, you know, their... Average.
1: Right, average, dumpy kind of looks. The cop says, whatever name he's using at the time, that's not him. His real name is Robert Keene. He's a felon. He's a dangerous person. Cassie, Laura's daughter, like the cop, worries that Keene could be doing the same thing to someone else as he did to her mother. Quote, The only reason we put ourselves through retelling and rehashing and reliving these experiences is for the opportunity to spread awareness of this man, of the story, and to flush him out, she said. Greg, Laura's son, says, He left her in a bathtub to rot. Either he's really good at hiding, or we're not looking hard enough. And this is Maureen. I'd say not looking hard enough, though it's not Greg's or anyone in the family's fault. In this day and age, it's hard for someone not to be found. And I think one of the biggest issues is the lack of information in Florida and elsewhere. The TV report said there was a true crime show being made about it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. If there was, it got no publicity. There was no story. Like, lots of times you'll see, like, you know, such as Dateline doing story on exactly. 2008 killing, you know, in your local paper and stuff. There was nothing like that. One weird thing, in an online memorial for Laura... Even though it was put online, you know, by a funeral home in May 2013, there are nine comments and they're all from January 14th, 2016. Hmm. Now this could be that they changed their website over and everything. So everything that was before that date automatically has the date, which I've seen before. Or I wondered if something was in the news or on TV on January 13th or 14th in Massachusetts that prompted it, but I couldn't find anything also in 2019 there was a little story on a massachusetts tv station that laura's grave had been moved by the cemetery in kingston mass where she's buried there was some technical issue where they're like they had two graves in the wrong place or something so they moved her over a row it wasn't a big deal and i think the only reason they did a story on it is because her kids kind of made a stink which I don't blame them, and she had been murdered. That said, the story kind of glossed over the whole murder and details of it with no information at all. I know it's tough for people to get traction on getting information out, but I'm a little confounded about why this hasn't day line or 48 Hours, given that they repeat the same stories over and over. <laughs> and her daughter said, you know, we rehash this and we retell it, blah, blah, blah. But I could only find two, and I'm not blaming, again, her daughter or anyone else. I could only find two interviews, t- and they were both TV. Like, the TV stations are good about having a transcript with the video, but there are no newspaper stories. For, the I know, Fort and Myers newspaper has
0: story. I mean, right, she, the Fort
1: the Fort Myers newspaper has not done one story on this that I could find. The so only weird. thing I could find was the two paragraphs when her body was identified. And the other point I'd like to make and you'll laugh, Becky <laughs> is that the gift of fear should be required yes. reading for every person in the world. In the world Yes I'm not victim (laughs) blaming But I also think There's nothing wrong With checking out someone Before you share Your home with him
0: No shit If they're gonna Live with you I know
1: There's nothing wrong With googling someone Not that much On Simon Storm Would have come up There's nothing wrong With asking someone Questions about Not taking someone's Answers at face value If he's a stranger To you and wants To live in your house Like the folks In Margate did and he ran away. If you feel hinky about something, if you feel some somebody's a little off, or if all your friends think there's something a little off about somebody, yes. and you don't know him well... Don't invite him into your home or your life. And I do think Laura, and this is total speculation on my part, but I do think that she had concerns because I I can't imagine her daughter would not have known she had a quote-unquote boyfriend living in the house if Laura hadn't felt weird about it. I know. I mean, the son knew uh, he was going on a visit. Maybe it was the kind of thing where it's like, well, don't tell Cassie because you know how she'll get, you know, kind of thing. Laura Lee Howard, it sounds like, was a very kind, nice, and generous person. It's sad to say that guys like Robert Keene prey on people like that. Who knows how many women he worked his dubious charms on before Laura fell for them they know how to pick their marks
0: they definitely do much
1: is made in the may 2021 wink story of how lonely she was and i can't relate to that i i just don't feel (laughs) lonely i know that sounds (laughs) um, assholish but but i will say women if you are lonely find some fun girlfriends who will have your back to hang out with having a man in your life is only a good thing if he treats you with respect and can share your life in a way that works for you as well as for him. I know it's hard. And and it's not just our generation and older generations. But I see young women with this too who think that it's so great to be needed by a guy. And it's not. You need to have a relationship where the guy treats you with respect. You don't need... To be mother hen to a 50-year-old guy who's all of a sudden living in your house without a job. Yeah,
0: and, if you want to have a male, I can understand living, if you're living alone and you would like, it, it is nice sometimes to have a male roommate. When there's um, a bat flying in my pick house. a
1: gay guy yes, who has I, a really good job. Know who the guy is. Exactly. Like, know who he is sometimes people feel like guilty about checking out someone's stories yeah, or asking well, questions if he's gonna
0: be living in if your he's house, gonna yeah. be living
1: in your house then check out his story and ask questions and nobody even comes near speculating or talking about what happened that caused him to kill Laura I know I'm wondering if she asked him to leave you know her son was coming to visit. I don't know if that would do it or if she did start questioning him and he took it the wrong way. You know, the time to question somebody is before they've taken over your life. Well, I guess we'll never really know what happened. I will say it's funny there, you know, 2015 was, that was in June of 2015. So that was six years ago. There was another story five years ago, and there was another story in May on TV, and they all kind of said the same thing. This guy's out there somewhere, and we can't. I also think it's interesting on the Crime Stoppers website, they have wanted kind of people who are wanted for stuff, and he's not on there, huh. which is odd. I'll go back to what I said before, they talk on these videos as though there's been all this publicity out there and nobody can find the guy. My feeling is the guy could be walking down the middle of friggin Main Street and nobody's going to know anyone's looking for him because there's been so little about this. Exactly. So hopefully we're doing something for it. And all of you out there who are wondering how you can avoid this, don't fall for a sob story from a stranger. That's how they pull you in. They're the victim, and you're going to make it all better for them. And read The Gift of Fear, for God's sake. Yes. Okay. What do you think? This is... I had not heard of this at all, obviously, no, because... No, I haven't. It, and it is weird that it got... I mean, it, to me, it's a pretty interesting story. I mean, she's found... It's a mystery. She's she found in her tub. And the it, fact it, that he's out there, that he's a con man who's preying on women...
0: And you to, know he's still doing it. That's his way of life. How yes. else is he going to get along? Uh,
1: yeah, what's the guy? That was people two, like him.
0: Don't they don't just decide right. to go to Home Depot and apply for a job now? Right, you know. And how
1: could he? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, well, except for his name spelled wrong all the time. But it, that was 2013. Yeah. So that's eight years ago. It just feels like... Makes you wonder what, yeah. Even even though there were th- those things, those TV stories... And he killed one person, at least her, you know? Right. And also, you know, I know sentencing and everything else is a complicated issue, but who knows what else he had done. That, well, I, I mean, that whole thing when he was 17 was a red flag. What One pattern you see in a lot of cases that end up With somebody, especially domestic violence and partner violence, uh, murder and stuff, is somebody who should be more on everyone's radar. Exactly. Getting a lot of breaks. A guy with his history should not be quote unquote off the radar. There are ways to keep people on the radar, even if they do call themselves Simon Storm, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm like, what the hell? But anyway, I could go on. And, uh, you know, maybe people are grateful that this story was kind of short tonight. I had hoped I could find more, but I, I think I spent more time looking for information than I did writing it. Yeah.
0: You know, there, was just, there was just there is just nothing. I hope that they do find him, and then you can do
1: a, an update on it. Right. And I feel like we're doing our part because here we are doing a podcast on this thing. I try, actually, when I look for
0: stories, to do stuff that no one else has done.
1: Yes, but we we both do. I mean, there are duplicate things. Sometimes people ask us, oh, why don't you do, you know, and they'll name some big thing that everybody's doing. First of all, I don't think people who listen to podcasts want to hear the same story over and over again. I know. I know I don't. And and second of all, I want to do lots of times something that I I don't know about that I can find out about. Yes,
0: and I want somebody to be, to learn something new or be surprised instead of being like, oh yeah, I know about
1: that. Although, and we've discussed this before, I think that when people do listen to us, they are learning something new, even if it's a story other exactly, people have done. Exactly, because we Be- try to do it Because lot. I think our research is pretty... We're not cut and pasting Wikipedia.
0: No.
1: Y- not that other people are doing that, but I guarantee that we will have information other people won't on oh, our yeah. stories. I think a lot of times I do, I, I try. Yeah. So that Thank said, do you, have you. A, do you have an NNW
0: rating? I do have an NNW rating. Awesome. <laughs> Again, this is an Audible, a book on Audible, because I haven't been able to watch anything recently since Mom hogs the TV. Um, (laughs) Because of the job that I just left, I had a lot of time there that I could listen to things. And so I listened to Audible. So I had gone through all the book authors I liked in their long books. So I downloaded Tana French In the woods because it was nice and long it was 20 hours on audible which means it must be about 800 pages at least a lot of people like her so I figured I would give her a try I'll talk about the synopsis of the story more in my writing but it's a story about it's fiction it's a murder mystery Dublin detectives you know police detectives young guy is the protagonist and uh, his partner is a young woman and they're trying to solve the murder of a young girl. So I will... Oh, everybody's so young. Oh, stop. Everyone's young. Okay, so let me just go through negative Nellies, because I've got more information, and then we'll talk more at the end. Okay. So narrative cliches. I'm taking off half a point. Wait,
1: wait, wait. Bad reenactments what? is the first thing. Oh.
0: Oh, why isn't bad reenact? Oh, yeah, I did have bad reenact. I'm not taking anything off for bad so re- okay. re- That's why I didn't see it. Narrative cliches, uh, half a point. They have the jerky boss that everyone has, who's who's skeptical and gives them a hard time, and blah blah blah. Doesn't supposedly doesn't support their theories. Although it sounds like real life. <laughs> the guy, I have to say, at the right now that the the book is written in first person. When I was reading it, I didn't think the boss was that bad, but the guy did. The character thinks that, so maybe we, the reader, are supposed to be like, oh, you know, I think that's his perception, but it's he's really not as bad as that. He-
1: Can I just interject? Yes, Part, writing's hard. But, because I was reading a book where I kind of had a question, is this a writing problem or does the author want me to think blah, blah, blah? And just for you aspiring authors out there, if you want the reader to have a different perception of something than some, than the point of view of a character, whether it's first person or third person point of view, as an author, it's up to you to make sure that you give the reader a way to know that. Yeah. So they don't yeah. wonder if it's just the writing or, not that people wonder that, except for me and you, I guess, but.
0: It didn't bother me. It was more, I thought it was kind of a cliche, but then I thought, well, it might be just be the guy being, I don't know. Cause anyways, I'll go on. I might give a little bit of spoiler-ish in this review. It's just hard to not you know. to. Uh, psychopath killer confessing every detail at the end. Mm-hmm. No, don't yeah. do that. But there were a lot of things that I appreciated. A lot of things about the story were not cliche. I thought that the writing was really good, and I thought the fact that she didn't make the main guy, he was definitely flawed, and he was a jerk and unlikable, which, I don't know, I thought she did a good job. I thought it was not a usual thing to make him do things that you you didn't like him, but she did a good job. I thought her writing itself was really good. His partner was a little bit too perfect you know mm-hmm. young woman i thought she could have been and but then again it was his perception of her so it's kind of a nuance there that this is what he thinks of her at the beginning because they're good friends and he thinks she's perfect but she's not and she does things that you the reader can see that she's not so i don't know it's kind of complicated uh racial gender obtuseness. i'm taking off half a point everyone is white in the book i think um and i don't know what the racial breakdown of dublin is but i'm sure there are people of color there put
1: it this way if i can put fucking black people in franklin county maine she can put black people in dublin
0: yeah uh the women in the book were i didn't think as interesting as the men i won't take a full point because the story like i said the story's in first person so some of the perceptions about the women could have been that from this jerky 30 year old guy
1: there are uh, ways you know. when you're writing in the first person to still yes
0: i know but i'm just saying
1: i oh, it, yeah. it's
0: you know. Lack of good visuals. I know this is a book, but I'm taking minus minus half a point. Uh, While the descriptions were pretty good, I felt that the book could have taken place anywhere. Mm. and i didn't get much of a sense of what dublin was like as a place i mean she described the places people were like the woods and the take place in the woods and it took place in there are other parts the descriptions were okay but it's like it could have been the woods in you know ohio or something you know it wasn't like i didn't get much of a sense of dublin as a city what it's like or anything Mm. and also because this is an audible book i'm gonna Use this where I critique the audio part of it So I'm gonna take a whole point off for the narrator and this audio book first of all He had a British accent, which is okay mm. Um, I guess since the main character supposedly has one uh, from going to boarding school Mm. Um, but that is also a problem with the story because I find that implausible yes in the book he does say that he changed his way of speaking in order to fit in to school and not get beat up but I would think he was 12 when he went to boarding school Mm. and once he has moved back to Dublin I would think a lot of his accent would have come back to him because he's around people speaking up
1: Yep. I was six years old when we moved from Elmira, New York, and I still have a partially Western New York accent. I know, accent. me
0: too, me you too. Know. I mean, I wasn't six, but I mean, I had somebody ask me what part
1: of New York right. I was from. But I can understand, like, if you went to boarding school... If I'm talking to somebody like, with a wicked Maine accent, sometimes I can feel my accent becoming more yeah Maine, like you kind of mirror. But if you're back in Dublin... You're going to, and what, he's 30? So he hasn't been a boarding school for yeah. 10, 12 years. You're going to fucking have an Irish Especially accent. Especially
0: when you're dealing with the public all the time and having a British accent... It's is not going to pu- go over puts well. ...puts people off. Yeah. I just found that part of the story implausible. But anyways, this, this narrator, this reader of the book... Not only does he have that British accent, which is okay, but the way he talks, he sounds like sarcastic and stuff all the time. When you're listening to audiobooks, the person reading can make a big difference on your enjoyment of the book or your interpretation of things. And I felt like if somebody with an Irish accent had been reading, I would have taken things a lot differently because I've listened to a lot of Irish authors and stuff. And the, and when they have an Irish, the way of talking, the, the lilt... And their accent and stuff makes their humor different and it, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that make a difference and so i didn't think he was a good choice so i took a point off because of him um missing pieces i'm taking off two points yeah yeah i don't know if we're allowed too but i yeah. don't care you can do whatever you want
1: thank you yeah um this this is a spoiler before you say it, I want to tell you, I, I read this book years ago, and I don't remember a ton about it, but I had one major issue, and I bet you're going to have it. I'm sure it, it is,
0: because book. lots of people have this issue with it. The book starts, um, they have like a little prologue, which I hate prologues, but mm-hmm. that's what beside the point. A disappearance of two kids. The third kid was the only survivor, and it happened 22 years before the, where the book set. The surviving child just happens to be the lead detective the lead character in this very long book. He's the main character who's investigating the current murder of a young girl in the same area. Um, So because this book was so long, I assumed, because of the prologue and everything, Mm. that the missing kids of 22 years before mystery would also be solved,
1: but no such luck. We never find out Anything about what happened. You're right. It's not just that it's not solved. It, there's no resolution. No, there's no
0: resolution at all. It just all.
1: hangs there like a it, it pierogi on a plate. Yeah. And um,
0: accuracy and not really. I've got all my issues in these other areas. So storytelling minus one point. For the unresolved ending and also for the wrap up of the other mystery in the book, the death of the young girl, I could have forgiven the easy resolution of that murder if the older mystery in the story had also been resolved. But because only one part of the mysteries in the book were solved, they could have come up with a more creative ending. Uh, It turns out, you know, it was this psychopathic girl that you know the older sister of the dead girl here's a spoiler talked this guy into killing her sister you know she gave him a you know sob Mm -hmm. story and he believed her and killed the sister so it's a pretty law and order-ish type exposition yeah and it was just you know because it was such a long book it's like you know, you couldn't solve both things because I had to go through this whole book saying, OK, uh, we, I can't wait to find out what happens. What, why mm. this kid, he can't mm. remember anything. There's all these little hints in there that maybe he had yes. did something to them. It's a but major. Because he had blood inside his shoes.
1: Yes, it's a major, it's, it, major, and, 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 major frankly, flaw with that book.
0: And freshness, I'm not taking away any points. I liked the writing itself. The conversational, the way she wrote, um, dialogue was really good, very realistic and good, especially when you're listening to an audiobook. Mm. It really shows. There were a lot of things about it that I really liked, but I mean, plot wise and shit, no. So yeah. I gave it a 4.5, and it's up to you if wow. you want to read it. It's a large investment of time and effort. And like I said, it's well written. The plot and ending were annoying, there are a lot of things that were totally implausible. Mm. It's 22 years later and this guy is in the same neighborhood is where he grew up. He's interviewing people and no one recognizes him. And, his yeah. best friends when he was a boy, mm. their mothers. I mean, one of them was a good friend of his mother. I, I just was like, give yeah. me a break. I don't understand what the subplot of the older mystery was for mm. if it wasn't going to be resolved. Mm. To give the guy more angst, um, but, there would be other ways to do it without yes. leaving the reader hanging. And,
1: and also, the amount of detail they yes. give. If the yes. guy's going to have angst because of this, you write it a different way if you're not. And he doesn't it.
0: remember anything either. Yeah. Like he never ends up remembering much. Yeah. So w- why is it even in there? Yes. And like unless there is a sequel that solves everything. If so, I apologize, but
1: and I don't know. If I'll read any be. more of her books. There should a- I, well, I can't. It's funny the, you say
0: that. I wish that the plot had been better because I had no problem with her writing. You know, there's a lot of authors I read that the writing is like, blah. And her writing was really, I thought there were so many good things about it. Mm. And like the character of his, his partner, Cassie, she was a good, detective like she figured stuff out and the the guy that this is the problem too with mystery books when they're in first person you're seeing it through his eyes it's difficult for certain plot things to
1: yeah a lot of this is just my personal issues as a writer but what year did that book come out i think it was 2007 or 2008 that book came out i was writing my first book she was celebrated as this wonder kind, you know, this fantastic... She was... You couldn't pick up anything because people yes. used to write about books and stuff without reading about it. And But meanwhile, I was writing my first book and it's very, very difficult to get a book published and very, very difficult to get an agent. And, you, you know, we go to New England Crime Bake, my favorite conference and stuff, but oh. you're constantly told how good your book has to be and that you can't make mistakes and stuff, and I'm not talking about mistakes like typos, but that there are just flaws that no agent is going to want your book. No publisher is going to want your book if you have these flaws. And I got so resentful reading that book. And some of the characters were good. I can't remember what it was I liked about it, but the fact that that plot wasn't... That subplot wasn't Mm. wrapped up, and it's not... That every subplot has to be wrapped up. But if it's not going to, you have to write it a certain way. And every single thing about it in the book indicated it was going to be. Exactly. Or have something to do. I don't feel like it was plain fair with the reader. And frankly, I don't think it was good writing. And as a writer reading that, I felt like it wouldn't have been that hard to make it tie in with the plot. Even if it wasn't totally resolved to make it tie in with the plot. And I also was really, really annoyed that people didn't recognize him because it just didn't strike me as real. And granted, these are issues some people wouldn't care about and stuff, but I just personally, as a writer who was struggling to write my first book, knowing how hard it was going to be to get an agent and how hard it was going to be to get a publisher, and then she was just so celebrated by everybody that people talked about her like she was the greatest writer in the world. And I'm like, am I the only one seeing the problems with this? Why is she so celebrated? And my resentment was such that I have not been able to read another. (laughs) I read another book of hers before I read that one. And then I read that one. I have not been able to read another book of hers, and this is just me being petty and childish after after I've had three books out. I still have trouble hearing people talk about her, and we were at a Crime Wave, which is not Crime Bay. Crime Wave is the main conference, and I remember, I can't remember what the panel was about. People were asking questions about tying up endings in books or something, yeah. and I brought that up. As a member of the audience, and remember Brenda Buchanan said, "I know exactly what you're talking about, and I agree with you." So I'm not the only one who had a problem. Well, and with after that. I wrote my uh, negative Nellies, I was I was just looking online. And
0: I looked on the Goodread- uh, Goodreads to see what people said about it, and uh, I would say probably at least half were bitching about it and gave it one star because of that. And then the other half had, gave it five stars and said it was a great book. So yeah. people like. it. Well, as things. our
1: sister Nikki said once when Billy and I were trashing Angels and Demons, not everybody's a fucking English major, you know. Yeah, no. but you don't even have to
0: be no. to, to you, not like the fact that that's what I the said. ending sucked. right.
1: Right, um, and it's not like the ending was unsatisfactory because you wanted something else to happen, no. or that she dangled this exactly. in front of us in a one big. And it isn't like you said; it's not playing fair with the reader. And, and that's a big writing rule that you have to play fair with the reader. And and generally, what that means is that you can't just have the murderer come out of nowhere. Yeah, The reader has to be given enough information to not necessarily totally solve the mystery, but when you do solve the mystery for them, to say, okay, I can see that. That makes yeah. sense. But there's also playing fair with the reader and that you don't weave a subplot like that and you make the reader think something is going to happen and then you don't do anything with it. You know, it's not like they didn't have anything to do with each other and this one just can't be solved like in real life but you it's a book so you have yeah it's to, fiction so you if you're not going to solve it you have to write it a different way you're kind of poking at the reader and teasing them on something and then not following through i was
0: gonna say if i had been one of her people reading it like i do with yours if like if you okay. have a similar thing which i know you wouldn't But if you did, I'd say, look, take this whole fucking subplot thing out or do something with it. But don't leave it in because there's no point to it except for to piss people
1: off. Well, one of the fun things about writing is figuring out how things like that are going to become connected.
0: And it seemed to make a lot of people mad when I was reading reviews the people, they got mad. People got mad. You're
1: pissed right. off at the and end. And it's not mad like when it spoiler although this happened like if someone dies ago. right when i was gonna say when elizabeth george killed off helen or like in gone
0: girl when you know you find out she's pregnant in the end and they're gonna stay together and everyone was pissed about that
1: spoiler although there's got to be like as far as spoilers go there's got to be like a uh, an expiration date yeah. you know we're not talking about you know, anything
0: if you read it yet yeah, that's your right, problem
1: right right in so i know i'm probably over i'm beating the drum but if Tana french was just another off auth- yeah, mid List author, or whatever, I st- would have had the same problem, but I don't think I would have had the resentment. But the fact that she was so celebrated and oh. everybody was gushing, gushing, gushing over her. And, and I I'm think like, That was her first book, wasn't it? Yeah. I think- I, I'm remembering now it was given to me by a friend who thought it was fantastic as mm. well. So I know people have different standards for books. But I, I always feel resentment, Becky, as you know, when some <laughs> big top selling writer has crap in their books. That I'm like here I am I can't get away with this yeah and it, people may say well when you're a big shot you can do whatever you want well Tana French wasn't a big shot
0: I know she was know. A,
1: a debut writer and, and she's
0: American right she she's born in Vermont but she, it's they say she's Irish American so well know. but she's lived so, in both so, places I didn't feel like the setting was important at all in that
1: my feeling on setting is that you want people who are familiar with it to say yeah she got it. Right, and people who haven't been there before to say, Oh, so that's what it's like there. You know, you want it, you want people to feel, you want the setting to almost be another place. And it's funny, like,
0: because I think of Elizabeth George, the different books, like, there's one that took place in the Cumbria region, and there's other, that one that took place on the island of Jersey. Guernsey. Oh, it was Guernsey. She describes him so well, and I always have to go. Then I have to go look. Right,
1: I have to look online and find the places.
0: And I know some people don't like that kind of exposition in books.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be exposition. I mean, setting—you can you weave it in so it's well, she, And I think
0: she does a good job yeah. weaving it. In. And I think that J.K. Rowling does too. Yes.
1: And if you're going to have books that long, well, then it, well, use part them. of it is use why it. is the book so fucking long? If you're not going to wrap up a plot, that's if you're not going to have decent know, setting, what, what what are you? What is going well, on? In-
0: someone on Goodreads had who had a good <laughs> review of it, saying it was like Rob or whatever his name would be, like blah blah blah. Oh my past, blah blah blah, and all this stuff. And then Cassie, his partner, would be like, "Oh, we have a lead." And then he'd be like, "Okay." Blah, blah 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 blah. So they were. I thought were you said the dialogue was good. No, but they were just complaining about all the inter uh, his in right, his, his mind right, stuff right. memories, which I actually did not have a problem with. I just feel like
1: right. You have to wrap up that plot. You can't do that. Especially, and also, like
0: you said, with all the detail about it, it wasn't like oh yeah, when I was a kid, two of my friends were were right, kiddin- and it haunts know, me. And, and it's just like and a that's passing why I'm thing. haunted
1: because I'm a haunted. Detective who but don't haunted. have
0: all this shit, and I didn't really have a problem with the fact that I did not like him at all. I thought he was an asshole. Yeah, I, that didn't bother me. I right. thought that was. I thought she did a good I, job with that. But I, just... I almost
1: felt when I read it, looking at it as a writer, and this happens to a lot of writers, and you have to figure it out. But she got to the end and didn't know how to end it. Yeah, and the two train tracks didn't come together the way they were supposed to, but. Mm-hmm. It, given the book deal and the publisher and everything, some book editor should have said, okay, awesome book, but you know what? We got to fix this ending. I'm surprised that,
0: uh, yeah. And I'm like, where is an editor to say that? Yes. To be like, okay, this ending uh, is good. When half gonna... the
1: readers in the world, and I and I want to say too, as far as first person goes, it is very hard to write a first person mystery. And that's mm-hmm. why mine are third person multiple points of view but you know you still have to have a strong point of view for yeah, your character you do you do but the book i'm writing now is first person cuz it's not a who done it mystery it's a, um, domestic suspense there are different types of books yes that lend themselves better to first person yeah i think domestic suspense is it is helpful because there are there are some things the person isn't right. going to know and the corner writers paint themselves into with first person is the reader can only know as much as exactly. the narrator knows. Sometimes you get these awkward part first person, part third person. I don't like those You know, that awful, ones. like, point of view of the killer and you don't know who he is thing, which I hate. I and, hate that. But my feeling, which is why my three mystery novels aren't first person, my feeling is if you're going to go with first person, you, you have to be all in Yeah. On and in fact, I started my first one at first person and I realized too, it was harder where third person made it easier. And also it's easier like with third person to do what, what I like to do is, you know, in character based books where two people have totally different perceptions of, exactly, of an interaction show. or, or how somebody feels about something and, uh, exactly. but it's This is like kind of a writers panel we're having here. Yes, it's, it's,
0: except I'm not a writer. I'm well, a reader, but
1: you're a reader, and that's just as important.
0: Right. Oh. Without us, there wouldn't be you. Do I'm a hanger advice. on, like when I go to the writing convention. But now they all know. Who I'm very I am. excited
1: that that Crime Bake is taking I am part, too. place, and I'm on a panel. Yes. About setting, actually. So um, so
0: our next uh, episode, I think I'm probably going to do. But well, yeah, it, you have our to Our sister. Do. Uh, but
1: okay. just so people can get excited, our older sister, Liz, the college professor, who has done some of our most popular yes. episodes. <laughs> she seems more popular than us. Including the Kyron Horman one, which is one of our all-time most popular. Yeah. She lives in Oregon, so she's going to do another Oregon-based or at least Northwest-based, I don't know what she's doing, Mm -hmm. story. And that'll drop sometime in September. But just so people can get excited about it. I've got to think of something.
0: And I always say, oh, I'm going to try to think of something a little bit different. And then I just... Well, well,
1: this one, I was looking for another story. I wanted to do... I'm always intrigued by stories about guys who prey on women and are imposters and stuff like that. But I was looking for a different one I had heard about... And just came across the story that came out in May by W.I.N.K. And I'm like, ooh, this is very interesting. But I really honestly thought I would find more on it than I did on newspapers.com or online. And I'm just stunned. They've done a real disservice to finding justice for Laura Howard. It's Um, weird
0: about some stories. I think a lot of times it's just the timing. What else is going on at the time? I mean, if they don't initially get traction
1: then right. it's just not <laughs> but also too publicity breeds publicity and I just feel like this one never I can't believe the Fort Myers newspaper has had no more from what I can find and I even searched thir- the newspaper site and everything no more than two paragraphs on this oh, that's so weird part of it is that and not to get on another big tangent when we're ramping up here but newspapers just are not what they once were. No, not they, at all. People do not. That's I mean, probably why I end doing so many oldies. You can't depend on them to to you know. Ten years ago, two newspapers covered the town I live in. Now, no one does. All sorts of shit is going on, and
0: Ooh, you can start your own. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Your own that sounds tabloid. like that sounds like work. <laughs> but and also, I, I got to yeah. live here, you know.
0: I like the imposter stories too. I don't know what it is about it. I guess just the people. People are intrigued by that. Yes. By the Somebody fooling people. Right. And, uh... and,
1: and not just the person who's doing the fooling, but how people, I, I don't want to say allow themselves t- to be fooled, but in a way it kind of is and in fact not to keep talking about my books but my second book no news is bad news part of it was kind of inspired you know that documentary the imposter yes i've
0: seen it like three times
1: i know and it's just fascinating about how the family whatever their motivation was allowed that guy to pretend he was their son who'd obviously been murdered by his stepbrother yes um, and oh, yeah. maybe that's why they let themselves like Dirty John. Like people talk about how Deborah Newell was Poor dumb, Debbie. and she wasn't dumb, but she, I, I think women, and it's not just older women, because I see it with girls that they, that they don't it's so themselves. important. They don't trust themselves, and and I don't necessarily blame women. I just blame society in general for this. There's nothing more important. Then having a man in your life, even if he's a total dick who hates your kids or something, even if he's sitting on the fucking couch playing video games while you're out, and not that this happened with Dirty John, while you're out working two jobs and putting food on the table and stuff, women have to get over the feeling that having any man in their life is better than having no man in their life. I know. That they're worthwhile on their own, that they're not defined by having... A guy who actually, when you think about it, it's just a lot more work and a lot more mental gymnastics and a lot of compromise on your part and a lot of making concessions and a lot of picking up dirty fucking socks and underwear and not watching what you want on TV. So why do it? I know. Not that any of that has ever happened to me.
0: (laughs) I think that they think there's something wrong with them. If some guy seems nice and he's paying attention to them, then why, why are they questioning it?
1: I've been told, you know, because I, I'm a lifelong single person, not, I have come close to the fire, but have never gone over to the married side, but I have been told, like, if there's some guy who's pursuing me who I'm not interested in, he's a nice guy. Why don't you go out with him? And I'm like, I don't want to. I, he I, I doesn't appeal to me. I don't like him. He's boring or he's obnoxious or whatever. Why is it my obligation to go out with a guy just because he wants to go out with me? I know. I know. You know. Exactly. People, oh, you should be flattered. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I know I'm not some great prize, but oh, yes you are. No, thank you. No, but I'm not saying that. No, I know what to, you mean. But I'm saying that if a guy does like me, then I'm obligated to have a relationship with him, even if I don't want to, I you know, know, I just could never understand that. But I, I think women, first of all, girls have to stop from the time they're young thinking that the most important day of their life is going to be a uh, wedding exactly, and start thinking about what kind of marriage they want to have. And exactly.
0: Um, or what kind of partnership.
1: Right. And I also think a lot of women want to be able to nurture and want to be able to take care of somebody and it makes them feel good and important and worthwhile if somebody needs them and men who manipulate women are very good at Mm. making the woman at least initially feel like he needs her because he has whatever his sob story is that only she can understand but if he's mirroring you like in dirty john like it's like oh she feel he feels the way i do about religion and he feels the blah blah blah. it's like yeah because he read your fucking ad on tinder or, 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 or match.com of course I he's know. gonna you know it's not that he's he has thoughts of his own it's that he knows what you want to hear if he's telling you what you want to hear if it's you know, then I know to me that's always a red flag. That I know, and too many too. presents too early. Yeah. Red- no, but anyway. Exactly. Okay, so I it's, guess we're done. Yes, we are. Thank you everybody for Thanks listening. for listening. I haven't done anything wrong, and he's just gotta be in his bonnet about something it could be anything it could be something someone said it could be something someone told him that isn't you know that he wouldn't bother to ask me about you know it could be who knows what it could be i know you know and it
0: doesn't really matter it, like, it
1: doesn't matter right and it's just like that gaslighting that whole oh what,
0: what do you what do you need help with right. like as if i never told you right and it, like i said told me she's like he did the exact same thing to and tried to force him out it was all this nitpicky as shit and and that's what I told when I left I said you know all I want to do is my fucking job right I come in here to do my job I don't I don't do anything like get involved in any of the bullshit that's going on I come in here I sit down every day I don't take my 15 minute breaks I half the time I don't take a full hour lunch if I take a lunch and I just try to get my job done and I, and all I've been getting is shit from people. And that right. is the reason I'm quitting.
1: Right. That's And exactly he's like, well,
0: I wish you'd come to me soon. I said, you know what? I did talk to you. Yeah. I, to- See, I said, that's
1: total bullshit. I that did say that. I said, come on. Bullshit. I, said
0: that, I said, you know, there's, and, and I said, it's just and look, there's only so much
1: that I'm going to put up with. Right. And there's only so much effort I'm going to pr- do right. Right. just trying to do my job. Right.